place that is spoken about only in whispers. A dark area that spawns the beginnings of urban legends. A place where anything can happen and usually does. During the light of day it hides just outside of you. But when the sun goes down, spirits, creatures of the night roam free. And things do go bump in the night. It is in every state and every country. And there is no escaping it. No matter how safe you feel behind your locked doors and latched windows. So we invite you to turn down the lights and turn up your radio while we join Dave Schrader and Tim Dennis, your hosts, on a journey into the darkness on the edge of town. Good evening and welcome to the show. Darkness Radio is on the air we have a big announcement to make, Tim, right at the beginning of the show. We do? This is a day that will live in infamy. Uh-oh. Yeah. What do we do? Well, it's kind of a big day in your family's life. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, so yeah. I thought I'd, I'd give you a chance to acknowledge that important I was going to say, there was a big bombing on this day in history, but, uh, you know, World War II. But yeah, no. No. Not that. Oh, it's my mother's birthday today. Yeah. Yeah, she's 71 today. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Darkness Damien says, says happy, happy birthday, birthday yeah, too happy with a mouthful of cookies. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm feeding the kid cookies. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I'm a bad You're the worst already. uncle. I am. Well, yeah. to him, the greatest uncle right. that ever yeah. lived. Yeah. To me, not so great. Yeah, we're uh, having a low party. Yeah, he'll be spending the night at your house. What? Yeah. Why? He'll load him with sugar. Just, you can't pass him back I to can't? me. No. Oh. No, it says it right in the old uh, uncle handbook. You'll have to review That's... that again. So happy oh. birthday to Jackie, Tim's mom. We wish you all the best and a very happy and healthy new year. How about that? That works. Yeah, we're not on tomorrow night for darkness, but I will be hosting Coast to Coast AM tomorrow, a deeper look into the Johnny Gosh disappearance. You heard about it on our show a few weeks back on True Crime Tuesday. What happened to Johnny Gosh? He was one of the first kids ever on the side of the milk cartons. We're going to talk not only to the producers and writers of the documentary, who took Johnny, but we're also going to talk with his mother. Noreen Gosh will join us tomorrow night on Coast to Coast AM. We're going to go deep into this topic, talking about uh, trafficking, uh, children, abductions, and and hear from the woman firsthand who lived through one of the most horrific experiences in history. And it is a weird, twisted story you've got to hear, and you'll get to hear it from her lips tomorrow. Uh, also, very special birthday wishes to my mom, who turns 70 tomorrow, Tim. Uh, she is, uh, you know, just an amazing woman. And right now, again, I want to thank everybody for keeping you, keeping her in your prayers and thoughts. She is, uh, dealing with stage four lung cancer that has spread throughout her body. She is now on her third chemotherapy. Uh, she's spending the night in the hospital tonight. So she'll be spending most of the day in, on her birthday in the hospital in Illinois. Oh. But, uh, we just want her to know that our thoughts and prayers are with her as well. And uh, thank all of you who have been sending in so many gracious emails and and loving things on Facebook and Twitter. It means a lot. So I just want to address that up front. Uh, Let's get going, Tim. Uh, We've got a a hell of a show lined up for you tonight. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we, we both feel like we're accomplished guys. We've done a lot with our life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, not as much as this guy, Tim. I don't, I don't want to make you feel like maybe we've been spinning our wheels, but, but listen to this. Our guest this evening is the Reverend. Jesus Pion. 
He's an American Mayan, French-Italian with O-negative blood, Tim. That's a start. That's He's a, start. a Hollywood actor. You might recognize him from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Two Guns, producer, stuntman, Falcon Project Field crew member, experiencer, tattoo artist, commercial artist, musician, writer, researcher, lecturer that has been immersed in the world of myth, legend, and the paranormal and the supernatural since his birth in Spain, Madrid in 1976. He's here with us tonight to talk, and if that's not enough, Tim, he's running as an independent in the presidential race. I got to go back to school or something. Yeah, you and I have been slacking, son. We Obviously, we need to do more because this guy's done more in his life than you and I combined in, like, four lifetimes. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get started with this as we talk about different aspects of the supernatural, paranormal. Welcome to the show, Jesus Payan. Hello, welcome this evening. Thank you very much, and uh, I just want to say thank you for having me, and happy birthday to your mom, Tim, and happy birthday to your mom, Dave, tomorrow, and my prayers are definitely with, with both of them, and I hope uh, uh, recovery is, is in the future, you know? That's very nice. I appreciate you throwing that out to both of them. That's uh, that's great. You and Tim was telling me you've been a listener since way back in the old days, two thousand six, two thousand seven time frame. Yeah, I've been listening for a long, long time. Uh, like I was uh, telling Tim, whenever I have to travel to do my filming, because I keep uh, New Mexico uh, here in Little Tularosa home base. Uh, whenever I go to Albuquerque to film or uh, L.A., I I listen to your show because you know, usually it's three hours, so um, it kills. It, not kill time, but everything <laughs> I, I enjoy listening to, and uh, I like your guys' perspective, your humor. Uh, you guys crack me up. Well, <laughs> and, very yeah, cool. I've been listening for a long time, and I was uh, training. I'm training for uh, heavyweight boxing as well. So while I train, I listen to the shows. You know, whatever shows I can get a hold of. Oh yeah, Tim, I forgot to throw that in. Uh, heavyweight boxing a boxer as well. Boxer too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta find a hobby or something. Yeah, obviously, we both do. <laughs> this this guy's leading the life. I, I've got to ask you. You're, you're uh, a presidential candidate running in the independent party, uh, but yeah. in your bio it says you were born in Madrid, Spain. Doesn't that automatically make you uh, unqualified or not unqualified? But uh, what's what's the right term on this? Disqualified. Yeah, disqualified. Like, like, like Ted Cruz. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, well, my father. Uh, he was he was in the military, so oh. uh, he was stationed in uh, the Torajon Air Force Base, where I was born on U.S. soil. Oh, very cool. See, there's the there's the deal. You've got a better line than uh, Obama does, at least. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> So yeah, I've got I've got birth certificates and all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> That's great. So what is uh, you know we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I, I want to know what's more exciting: being a Hollywood actor, a boxer, or an investigator of the supernatural. We'll talk with our guest when we return. The Reverend Jesus Pion, right here on Darkness Radio. We're back here on Darkness Radio. Our guest this evening, the Reverend and political uh, presidential candidate, Tim. I don't know if I mentioned that part yet. You did, yeah. But the Reverend yeah. Jesus Pion is with us this evening. Now, help me out because I'm already getting beat up by social media saying, uh, obviously, it's Jesus, Dave. But uh, <laughs> make sure that they understand I'm not just some moron mispronouncing your name. No, you are pronouncing it correct in English. Uh, I, I, the way I work is whatever language you speak to me in, there's a Way you say my name. <laughs> well, and who's not going to vote for Jesus? For God's sakes, that's got to be a great, great slogan. Vote Jesus. It just sounds right. Yeah, you know? it does. <laughs> and I think there's yeah, already T-shirts out there that you don't even have to pay to build. They're already out there. Exactly. There's all kinds of fun stuff. I would uh, go to the local, you know, Walgreens or whatever, and there's a whole <laughs> section of, you know, 
you know, what would Jesus do and right. keychains and obviously Jesus would be a boxer and an actor and a, a paranormal investigator and presidential candidate. What uh, what's more exciting for you? I mean, acting, uh, you know, being a boxer, going out and investigating claims of the paranormal. What kind of really gets your juices going? Well, honestly, uh, doing the paranormal thing, supernatural, researching, investigating Bigfoot, uh, that's what I do. Because doing uh, films and TV, I don't have to work throughout the whole year. I only have to work through, like two months out of the year, and all the bills get paid for the year. So I have a whole bunch of off time, and then that's when I do a bunch of charity work. But between the charity work, I'm just doing investigating of all these different fields because I'm like a, a weird crap magnet. But, uh, yeah, when I'm, I'm doing my movies, it's fun. It's, to me, it's more of a job. Uh, I started doing a film because I wanted to be able to take care of my parents and children and all that comfortably and not have to struggle forever. So that's when I decided to become an actor. And, uh, no, it's awesome meeting all these people I've been watching on TV and movies for a long, long time. I just, uh, the way I look, I'm, you know, covered in tattoos and look like a giant cholo. Uh, the movie industry <laughs> loved it. You know, and I got stereotyped so much in real life, I figured they'd eat it up. So, sure enough, the first movie I walked on set, you know, as an extra, I ended up with a main role by the end of the day fighting Steven Seagal and been working professionally ever since. Wow, very cool. That's a great story, the way to get in. And, yeah, I guess using uh, what, what everybody else is typecasting you in real life as something to right. launch a career, that's that's a great way to uh, take what some people would look at as a negative and, and making something amazing out of it. How old were you when you when you realized that you had a fascination with the strange and supernatural? I would say five years old. And what what was that catalyst for you? Well, when I was three, me and my sister, she was five, uh, we had our first UFO sighting. And it was the exact same year as the Rendlesham Forest incident, which we were about an hour away from while it happened, while we were having our UFO uh, sighting. Uh, but and she remembered it being a green cigar-shaped UFO. I remember it being orange. It was the only difference. But uh, my parents took us uh, Loch Ness Monster Hunting in Scotland when we were five. And, uh, yeah, that's what I think really, really started the whole, you know, me being interested in, in researching it and trying, you know, looking at any book I could find. And we lived in a haunted house at the time in England. It was an old house that uh, underneath our staircase, there was a, you know, a, Caves, not caves, but uh, I guess tunnels that had still the bodies of slaves uh, in there that died, they, they left in there to die. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the TV would turn off and on, steps up and down our staircase, down the hallway. Uh, my sister's bedroom would stay, you know, super cold. Now, was that uh, something, no matter, no matter what? As a child growing up with that activity in your house, you know, was it, was it frightening to you or was it kind of exhilarating and exciting like an adventure? Well, when I was locking this monster hunting, or it was the daytime, it was such an adventure. But at night, it was scary as hell, and I had lots of, you know, blankets pulled over my head or running to my mom's room. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty scary stuff. You know, I, I didn't know what it was. And uh, it was a combination of the UFOs with, you know, ghost thing and this thing. I couldn't differentiate, you know, that there was a, a difference. I thought it was all the same thing. Until much later in life, when I really got into you know deep research and of all that, I could see you know realize it was different situations happening. Well, when you're living in a haunted house, at what stage do you recognize, you know, this is um, this is why my house is haunted. This is what's happening. Is 
you know, it's it's because there were slaves here. There were people, you know, kept and tortured. You know, was that something that you knew at the time or did you find out later? Were you trying to piece that puzzle together when you were growing up? Well, I'm, you know, we knew as a little kid, I knew it was ghosts. I knew it was ghosts that was there. Didn't know it, at the moment. I didn't realize, you know, why there it was happening. Um, again, I thought this was normal. You know, like everybody was experiencing this stuff. I thought this was like a normal thing for people. And uh, my parents, they were getting freaked out and eventually uh, went into uh, town to get information on the house. And while I was, you know, about four or five years old is when they did this, Finally, and I uh, found out that, yeah, behind the wall in our, our, our little closet, uh, jacket closet under the stairs, cold air would be coming out. And my dad was like, you know, where is this, air, you know, this cold air coming from? That makes no sense. It's under the staircase. And uh, we found out, got the plans of the house and everything. They found out, yeah, that there was a, a section of the house that had been blocked off that led down to uh, slave quarters. And uh, that's why, you know, so when I was about five, you know, they said that that's why it's probably haunted. And now you have you have an understanding and a realization. I and mean, were your parents pretty open with you about this, or were they always trying to, oh, yeah, no, it's nothing. It's just the house settling. It's nothing you have to worry about. Well, my my dad more. And, uh, you know, I can't say nothing. You know, my dad, me and my dad, are uh, we get along, and we don't get along. He's a good man, though. But he, he's always been the cynic in, in the debunker. Uh, even if it, he sees it happening, he's just like, nope, not happening. Uh-uh, don't think so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, 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 he hasn't embraced that yet. But, uh, yeah, they would uh, explain stuff themselves. Uh, when we were living here in New Mexico, we had got stationed here at home in Air Force Base. We ended up getting a house in town. And we had another house that was, you know, haunted again, uh, 702 Delaware, and it had all wood floors, and me and my sister were last key kids. Both parents worked, and uh, we would come home, you know, a few hours before the, my parents got off work, and we would hide under the, coffee, the kitchen table that had really long tablecloths because we were so scared, and we would hear, you know, walking back and forth in the hallway, uh, right above us in our chairs, we would sit there and hear people talking, playing checkers, it sounded like, or chess. Uh, the TV, we'd hear the TV come on and the channel changing, but when we'd look out the tablecloth, It'd be off. Um, that, that house was just creepy as heck, and we shared a bedroom. Uh, we had bunk beds. I slept on the top bunk. See, night, bunk beds. I knew there was going to be a bunk bed story involved. I I, 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 I remember what you said about that. <laughs> <laughs> and man, you know, them bunk beds is not cool. But uh, one night uh, we both wake up, and there's a set of red glowing uh, eyes, almond shaped eyes, and. Yeah, scared the living crap out of me. I, you know, I screamed, fell out of the top bunk, hit the floor, peed myself, and ran to my parents' room. And, uh, yeah, they told me that uh, I was crazy and that it was because they had watched Amityville Horror, um, you know, a couple of days before. And <clears throat> the thing is, though, we weren't allowed to watch it. And when I later, you know, as, a, as, a, as an adult, went to watch the movie again, when I see the eyes in the movie, it's two little blinking little dots, ding, ding, in the right. movie, and nothing like what we saw that night. We saw big, glowing, red, almond-shaped eyes, you know? So to, to, to explain it away as we just were some kids that were scared of a, a movie, yeah, it, it didn't even match. How did your well, sister react when you flipped out of the bed and, and screamed? Oh, well, she, she uh, screamed, too, because we both woke up at the exact same time and saw the same thing, but she saw it from the bottom. She ran with me behind me, went straight to my parents' house. Now, you saw the glowing red eyes. Was there any dark shape or anything mist-like that, that was behind it? 
No, the whole room was pitch black. We didn't have a, a nightlight or anything, so all we could see was the red eyes, and then we just booked it for the door. You have an experience like that, and what kind of effect? I mean, you've got to go back into that room, and you've got to sleep in there again the next night. What does that feel like? I mean, there are a lot of people that have never had an experience. You've had a, a lifetime of them, but at such an early age, how does that impact you? Um, it did affect us, but my dad was worried more about my dad. <laughs> you know, listen to what he said, and he said, go back to your room. You know, you guys are imagining, do you go back to your room, regardless of getting in trouble, you know? So he was, he was, he was a very the, the military type, so he didn't question his orders, you know? Would you, you know, were you hiding your eyes and sweating it out at night for a couple of weeks until you resettled back in and realized it was a one-off? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, we, we were freaked out because um, we went through this so much in all these different houses. There was always something going on. And uh, that's why, again, like I said, we thought it was normal. And when I finally hit, like, 12 years old and actually had friends outside of my house, uh, and I would say, hey, did you see that UFO where I was talking about a ghost thing? They just looked at me kind of funny, like, you're kidding, right? And I'm like, man, stop playing. And they're like, no, that that doesn't happen. So that's when I started realizing that it was happening to our family a whole bunch more than normal. Now, a lot of times we'll, we'll hear in cases like this that it seems to be centered around one person. Do you think you were the magnet, or do you think your sister was the magnet, or do you think it was the both of you that were kind of causing this ripple and, and drawing things towards you? Well, um, my parents both experienced uh, weird stuff through their childhoods and uh, growing up. And my mom had, you know, been in beds that would shake and, you know, just, you know, ghost stuff. And uh, her family had lots of experiences. Uh, my my grandparents on my dad's side, same thing. So it's like it was passed down. And But I, I would it would be more centered around me, a lot of the experiences. Like, if you compare me and my sister, she's at a, a, a 15% rate weird stuff, on, and I'm, like, running the 95, you know? So it, what, it seems to, to follow me everywhere. Right, and what, I'm sorry, was this your younger sister? Oh, she's my older sister. She's a sheriff in uh, Florida. Oh, very cool. So she, you know, she was surrounded by this. Your mom was surrounded. What age did your mom start sharing and regaling you with the tales of her own weird paranormal experiences? Did she do that when you were a child, or did she wait until you were older? I'd say about when we were 14. I'd say about when I was 14 was the first time I ever heard her tell me stories of, you know, her when she was young, going through ghost experiences. Did you did you say, hey, Mom, if you were having these kind of experiences, why were you just telling me and my sister, you know, go to bed. You just had a nightmare. This was nothing. You were just imagining what you saw in the movie. Well, I did ask her, and she said that she didn't want us to be as, you know, scared because she'd been through it, and so she wanted us to be like, oh, okay, it's nothing. And uh, But she couldn't explain, like, you know, as I was growing up, you know, why I draw the pictures I would draw and pictures of these she called him ugly little man, you know, with big eyes and big heads and little bodies and you know, stuff like that. So now, did she, she feel? Her out. Did she feel that she was ever abducted? Um, not at the time, no. Has she? She, she was more. Uh, she more dealt with uh, go, the ghost phenomenon, and uh, she had one time my parents they were together. It was right before they got married, and uh, she was uh, seventeen. He was nineteen, and. They were outside and they experienced uh, a giant, uh, I guess it's not the Thunderbird, but a giant bird uh, that was, you know, twice as big as any, like, uh, 
how to let it say, uh, condor, bigger than a condor, flew, flew over them in El Paso, Texas. Just ridiculously huge bird. So I thought that was kind of interesting, too. So you guys really are just like a conduit family full of uh, strange experiences and, and uh, things to witness. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and continue speaking with our guest. we got a long night ahead of us. Stick with us here on Darkness Radio. Reverend Jesus by on our guest this evening as we talk about his life in the supernatural. So many weird experiences growing up and, and from UFOs kind of being the catalyst to ghosts. How did you start to turn to cryptid uh, investigation and cryptid research? Well, the first time that I really uh, touched, like, say, Bigfoot um, <clears throat> was in the book uh, Mysterious World by Arthur C. Clarke. Okay. And uh, I was oh, I was under, I don't know, like six years old when I, when I read that book, and there was a, 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 a story that stood out to me um, because it wasn't in the Bigfoot section. Uh, it was in the UFO section, and it tells of this this single mother that lived in a cabin with her kids uh, somewhere in Washington, in the mountains, and uh, that it was evening time, and that all her she had horses and whatnot. That they, all the animals started just going nuts, and a bright light uh, filled her whole living room up with you know brilliant light, <clears throat> and uh, they hid behind the couch, and she ended up calling nine one one to report what was going on because, you know, she was very scared, didn't know what was happening. And uh, as soon as they, the dispatcher said, okay, we have a sheriff's en route, the light went out and it got quiet. The sheriff showed up, and uh, when they got there, he investigated, you know, the, the front yard, and there was a, a, a big bullshit depression that I guess it was about uh, three foot in diameter into the ground, and outside of that depression were three what would be like tripod-style uh, uh, circles pushing the ground were a foot across each. And I guess if you would imagine the, the diameter of the craft was, say, 30 feet, uh, right there, big humanoid footprints began that were two inches in the ground and were over, I believe, uh, like 17 inches long. And they were at a three-foot stride heading out towards the forest. And uh, all of a sudden, the tracks turn around and double their stride at six feet uh, in between each step and uh, just stop exactly where they started, you know, at the edge of what we believe is a craft. So that really piqued my interest because I was, you know, I was so interested in UFOs already, you know, at the young age. That, that kind of started the Bigfoot, you know, question uh, in cryptids. Right. And, I mean, that's a chilling story when you when you look at all the aspects of of that and and getting you in now is that something now you're a big guy i mean it's not like you're intimidated easily i'm guessing but right. you know if if you had your druthers what would you rather run into a ghost an alien or a bigfoot and have a full on encounter to know once and for all this exists beyond a shadow of a doubt um well i've already had experiences with all three okay so the least scary in my, uh, I guess, point of view would be the ghosts. Uh, Bigfoots, they're really big. Uh, they're so strong that if they wanted to, they could pop our little heads off, you know, or rip off our arms. Uh, if they were, they wanted to do it, they could. You can't run from them. They're, they're, they've run faster than horses. Uh, you know, so uh, the alien question, you know, uh, grays, the little gray guys, uh, also that's scary because... Um, they're able to paralyze you. You can't fight back. 
they're they're even though they're little skinny little dudes, they're they seem to be quite strong. Right. Where uh, they're able to manipulate uh, matter. Uh, so the ghosts, at least I can scream and run. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, I, I've dealt with some some crazy ghost experiences where it was full on. You know, they were trying to to hurt me and my friend and. Uh, yeah, it was still not as scary as a you know as a pissed off uh, a giant uh, ape, right? Whatever you want to call them, <clears throat> and same thing with the the, the greys. When you're in their presence, uh, it's a whole another, whole another level. Yeah, I would guess. I mean, in in dealing with that, I mean, I've seen craft in the sky. I had a strange encounter. Uh, not only seeing something, but something I think uh, left my room when I was at the UFO ranch uh, and stayed at a uh, the trout lake hotel there in in the town i woke up to the sound of something moving in the door slamming so um you know I, but i've never seen anything physical but i'm so intrigued by the aspect of other beings checking in on us or being around but on the other side it's it's kind of a terrifying notion like you said ghosts you're kind of they're ethereal you can probably push them or run through them and get out of there aliens and bigfoot not so much you've got the you've got a physical presence that you have to deal with yep it's a, it's a trip for sure no. Um, the thing about like what I've been going, through, what I went through, is I haven't always, you know, experienced these things alone. I'm usually around people. Uh, they've been there when things showed up. Uh, little, I, I was with this one girl, uh, April, and she was like, "Oh Jesus, tell me about you know you those and aliens and stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's late and it's dark and I don't feel like doing that because usually when I talk about them for hours, you know, something weird happens later. Either I see a UFO or we get I get visited later or something." So I wasn't too anxious, but she's like, please. And I was like, all right. And while we were there talking about it, uh, yeah, the little the little guy showed up. And uh, she saw them and freaked out and took off in her car and called her husband. He was in the Air Force. And, yeah, it was a crazy night. So, it's you know, for, uh, Bigfoot for me uh, is real for the reason because I've seen it multiple times now. Uh, I have a video. We got a video of uh, one of them throwing rocks at uh, my friend, one of my fellow researchers, Robert. And uh, yeah, you see the eyes, the eyes shine, and everything come out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Rock at them. The uh, who was throwing the alien or a Bigfoot? Did you say? I'm sorry, I, I hiccup there first. A Bigfoot, a Bigfoot through, which throwing rocks at us. We were in uh, northern New Mexico uh, on a private ranch, and uh, we ran into uh, like a family of them. There was like four of them, and uh, yeah, they didn't like Robert uh, Robert Kreider, <laughs> and they, they they kept on throwing rocks at him. And uh, I was trying to commun- communicate with them. I was doing tapping sounds and stuff. I, was like, I'm, I consider them, uh, you know, just another version of human. Uh, bigger, hairier, you know, they're smart. They have a language. Uh, if you listen to any of the Native American, you know, uh, histories of Sasquatch, you know, they never described them as just a big old monkey. Uh, they always described it as uh, the hairy ones, the hairy humans, uh, another tribe. You know, some feared them, some tr- did trade with them, and they spoke with each other, and some of the traditions that we do in powwows today come from stories of a large, upright, hairy, you know, being teaching them certain songs and stuff. So it's a, it's a trip. We need to take another quick break. We'll come back. We've got more with our guest here on Darkness Radio. We're back. Reverend Jesus Pie on our guest this evening. And again, you may recognize him from his work on uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. He's here with us this evening to ch- talk about his experiences with the strange and the supernatural. So obviously you're open to the ideas of, of ghosts and Bigfoot and, and uh, alien encounters. Uh, 
Where do you come down in the field of uh, dealing with the demonic? Is that something that's ever happened? Have you ever come up against something dark and malevolent in all of your research? Yes, most definitely. Um, one thing I'd like to add before I continue is that um, I'm not out to prove any of this stuff's real. That's not my goal, to, to, to convince people that this stuff's real. I ain't even tripping on that. I'm just sharing my experiences and my findings with everybody, you know? Uh, I'm a reverend, yes, I believe in God, and as I do more research and learn more uh, about the whole scope of all reality and, and mythology and the mysterious and conspiracy, it all, it all connects together, and until you research the full spectrum of it all, can you really get a good idea of what's really happening? What are these things that we're experiencing, uh, you know, and calling them certain things and, and causing a lot of arguments because we don't understand exactly what we're dealing with. We've decided to, to label them, you know, and fully understand what they might be. For all we know, it's, you know, up is down, down is up. You know, there's so much to, to deal with. How do you rectify but, these experiences with your religious upbringing and background? As a reverend, as somebody who believes in God and Christ, and then you've got these stories that just don't seem to fit the, you know, the, the history that we've been given from the church yeah. and from the state. How, how do you, how does that rectify for you? Okay, well, so where I'm at now, okay, before uh, I became Reverend and everything, I had a certain viewpoint. Um, I thought about, all, if all this stuff exists, then God can't be real. Uh, the Bible is, you know, a bunch of brouhaha. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the two worlds can't exist in, in one because of what I, you know, I, I, I've, been told by you know you know that you know catechism and whatever, and people uh, that didn't believe any of that stuff. But you know, the more and more I, I lived through it and researched it and talked to other people's experiences, and uh, then I start you know it, it started pointing back towards the Bible, back towards uh, demonic possession of the fallen angels. Um, I started to look like uh, the UFOs are very similar to all the accounts in uh, medieval times in the Bible of fiery chariots during uh, Alexander the Great. He had, you know, the burning shields in Egypt, the burning shields. Uh, it goes on and on and on. You know, if you, if you use full history, you know, they want to call it mythology. Um, if you really study it all, you know, the whole ancient alien theory is I don't think it's ancient aliens. I don't think it's aliens anymore at all. I think that we're dealing with uh, different... Uh, orders of, of angels, of fallen angels on both sides. That some of them look, they look alike. They got split right down the middle. Uh, UFOs that we're seeing, like I said, they're 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 uh, highly technological, but uh, they're all. That doesn't mean they can't be, you know, angels. If you know, if you do believe in angels, which I I do believe in them. I haven't seen an angel flying in front of me or nothing, but uh, I know Jesus is real. I've I've received a healing before uh, from. Went to church and asking Jesus for a healing, you know, to heal my ankles. I couldn't walk, but uh, I wasn't alone. Even the priest was there that, you know, witnessed it. So there's a lot of things that I say is real because I've experienced them. So, you know, like Bigfoot, you know, the grave, and, you know, now I believe that those are certain ones are watchers, the other ones, you know, are demonic and they're mean. And that's why you have both sides of the abduction experience where you have. Uh, you know, the bad ones and the good ones. Some people experience nothing but positive stuff. Other people experience horrible torture and, you know, being raped. And then there's the people that believe there's the, the military. So you have a third one thrown in there, too. But uh, I have dealt with uh, demonic uh, entities. I bless homes. I try to rid them, you know, of... Uh, I can't I, I can't seem that I can send people to the light. 
or any of that stuff, but I know that I can you know, bless homes and do, you know, the traditional Native American type of blessing and also through uh, my, you know, through Jesus Christ. And it does help. It does get rid of a lot of things that, you know, been around me. I get followed a lot by strange, uh, you know, dark spirits from doing all this research and going to haunted places. Do you believe, I mean, it is intriguing. You know, we just did that episode of Ghost Adventures uh, aired last week where we went to the Stardust Ranch in Arizona. And, you know, Zach asked the woman that was being harassed and, and molested by these aliens, does, does evoking the name Jesus Christ work? And she said, sometimes. And it seems interesting to me that, you know, you've got these beings, whether they're alien or demonic in nature, uh, then you've got uh, malevolent hauntings in demonic hauntings, and some respond very well to uh, being kind of ejected by the name of Christ. Others seem to mock it like it means nothing to them. Yep. How do we, you know, yep. that that's part of what really kind of upsets the balance of nature. I think that's why people have such a hard time with the theory and belief of God and Christ and, and uh, religion is because it, it only seems to be kind of effective. Yeah, well, that, that's the biggest part. Like, for me, even though I've experienced all this stuff and I studied so much and I give lectures and I work with universities, also, I still can, can openly and comfortably say, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to figure it out as we go along, but I know that I'm not going to give a specific. I'm not going to be like, this is the way it is, because every time that happens, we get proven wrong, and it changes, and it evolves. Just like my point of view on, you know, from when, you know, I just thought they were aliens from billions of miles away, you know, and over time we started looking like a whole different uh, aspect. Like uh, you have uh, Jacques, Jacques Valle, he wrote that book, uh, Passport to Magonia, and um, in that book, yeah, he talks about the the, 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 the commonalities of today's abduction experiences versus the medieval days of succubuses and incubuses and fairies and fairy lights. And, you know, same thing, you go back into the Bible, same, same thing, verses. So a lot of people, uh, they are stuck in the realm of, if I don't see it with my own eyes, it, it doesn't exist in my mind, even though it may exist. You know, just like me, you know, I, I may not believe in, in unicorns, uh, but after I did the research and found out that when they referred to unicorns in the Bible, they were speaking about a rhinoceros. They weren't talking about a, a horse, you know, running around with the horn. Uh, that's what rhinoceros are called with the unicorn. They were, they were the unicorns. And over time, through, you know, fairy tales and books and artwork, it's evolved into the pretty horse, you know, and now it's, like, used as a joke, you know, to... to people believe in Bigfoot, believe in unicorns. Yeah. You know, the, the theory and belief behind ghosts as well, the fact that it's discarnate spirits that, you know, our body dies, the physical form ends, the energy that was either contained or that surrounded the body that we know as the soul it continues on. At least that's the hope that we have. But yet, you know, there seems to be these different layers to the possibilities or probabilities of what a ghost really is. In your perceptions, you know, from both logic, education, and your religious aspects, what do you believe a ghost really is, and where does that fall into our paradigm? Well, um, ghosts, that, that's, that's an awesome question. Um, I believe they are more than just one thing. I think we are experiencing multiple things, uh, say, like, Somebody dies. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in heaven. They don't know what to do when you die. The, like the Egyptians and all the other, you know, different indigenous people had 
kind of a, a, a rule book on what happens and what you do when you, after you die. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that there's got to be tons of spirits out there. If, you know, we do continue to that next uh, round, uh, we're still energy, we just don't have a physical body. If you don't know where to go, you're going to be stuck wandering around in this realm and they can't see. Kind of like the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. You know, you have to learn after so long how to manipulate stuff. Uh, then you got the, uh, I believe, like another dimension, dimensional beings that are passing forth, back and forth, uh, that, you know, are able to manipulate things. That we're experiencing that as well. There's, I think there's just multiple different, you know, uh, scenarios and situations that we're putting as just one uh, uh, deal, you know, saying this is ghosts, you know. So, yeah, I, I think there there is some type of a place we do go. I don't know if it's a vibration thing. Uh, after you die, if you're not the right vibration, you cannot. Wow, all the power just went out of my house. Uh, it's not even started. But um, <laughs> that's how it starts. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, the yeah, I just think that we're dealing with so many different uh, aspects, and you know, people a lot of people don't know that demons. You can't leave, you just become a demon. You know, demons are fallen angels. You know that are you know or dead uh, nephilim. So. Yeah, a lot of people don't even realize those things, and they will confuse and mix all kinds of different stuff into one grouping. So I can't say for positive what exactly one is, but I think, you know, some of them are our spirits from people, pissed off spirits, some are residual, uh, just residual you know, hauntings, you know, such a, you know, whatever energy expounded out of that, that moment in time, it's just replaying over and over and over. Uh, but it's, it's situational. I, I've watched Ghost Adventures since the first, you know, documentary. And uh, I saw, like, when you did uh, the show, the contest of the different teams. And, um, yeah, man, I, I, it's real. Demons are real. They, I've seen them. I've been attacked. <laughs> not been alone when it's happened. Well, let's talk about that when we return. We've got to go to the top of the hour break. And when we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation with the Reverend Jesus Payan, and we'll ask him about his encounters with evil, with demonic forces. Uh, what were they like? What was it like to go square off face-to-face with real evil? We'll do that when we return. We also want to send out, Tim, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Aaron Goodwin from uh, uh, Ghost Adventures uh, was hit head on or hit very directly today as somebody blew through a stop sign no. and yeah um, wrecked his car pretty good broke both axles oh my god deployed all of the airbags throughout the car oh. uh, he only has scratches on his legs at this oh, point so god. we don't know if there's any other damage but he, he seems pretty chipper but you have that kind of adrenaline rush yeah. after this yeah. so our thoughts and prayers go out to Aaron Goodwin and we hope that uh, you know he's doing okay after that accident as we also hope the person that hit him you know although they caused an accident we hope they're doing well. I uh, want to make sure to mention, too, folks, we need those prayers and intentions. California and Montana are burning under wildfires again. It is bad. So we need your thoughts and intentions. Do it during the break here. you got five minutes. Concentrate on, on torrential quenching rains in Montana and California that just soak the ground, soak the trees, and, and help to save people's homes and communities and wildlife. We just ask for your help on that. Montana and, and California are in desperate need of help. We'll come back. We've got more coming your way here on the best in paranormal talk radio. This is Darkness Radio. Darkness Radio. 